Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome to another edition of the How to Bet series on uh, TwinSpiresAndBristNet.com. Going to take a look at summer racing over the next uh, couple weeks. Saratoga and Delmar, of course, center stage on the summer racing scene. Delmar opens Wednesday, July 19th. Saratoga follows Friday, July 21st. Racing where the turf meets the surf. Wednesday through Sunday, uh, with Labor Day closing things out, and at Saratoga, it's Wednesday through Monday, and Labor Day also closing day there. Going to be a great summer of racing at both venues. Superstars sure to uh, take the stage uh, with Arrogate leading the way Saturday in the San Diego, Lady Eli and the Diana at Saratoga, Abel Tasman in the Coaching Club Sunday at Saratoga, and plenty of two-year-olds along the way as well. Uh, who we anticipate uh, sure to be discussed uh, among the Breeders' Cup and ultimately the Kentucky Derby and Oaks Trails. Helping us wind our way through those trails and all the great racing at Del Mar and maybe a little bit of spot play action at Saratoga, as he deems fit to share on the Twitters, is our intrepid California handicapper, Scott Shapiro. Scott, how are you? Doing well, Ed. Looking forward to making the trek down uh, the Interstate 5 tomorrow to uh, Del Mar for the first time this summer. Should be uh, quite a summer, as you mentioned, and uh, nothing like opening day at Del Mar in terms of uh, just a party atmosphere, although I won't really be partaking in the partying much. Uh, maybe the party will come uh, after uh, race five if you connect on the first pick five of the meet. Uh, I know from reading uh, what, what you've uh, said, uh, and just other people's thoughts on the card actually looks like the pick four, which is the last four races on the card, might have a little deeper uh, opportunity in terms of bigger field sizes and competitive racing than the early portion of the card. Yeah, well, the, the late pick four is extremely challenging, and you know sometimes the the, the pick fours to me are, are not are not worth playing, but. When the field sizes are this big and the pools are this big, it kind of plays a lot differently to me, especially if you're against one or two of the favorites. So I do agree with that. I think the pick five um, will, you know, always provides value, a little, little bit of value as long as it's not real chalky because of the 14% takeout. But definitely the, the better part of, the, you know, the card gets better as the races move forward. Sure. I'm certainly not atypical of most tracks. I will say this with uh... – and it is later in the day. Um, I would think Wednesday and Thursday, uh, that pick five pool with no Naira going on and a relatively early post time for the East Coast, 5 p.m., uh, I have to think those pick five pools are going to be over a million dollars. Yeah, they've got to be big. I think people are chomping at the bit, if you will, uh, after, you know, we've had some decent racing and, you know, at, at some other tracks of late, but I know people uh, have been eagerly awaiting both Del Mar and, of course, Saratoga. So I'm sure people will be ready to fire away. And, you know, the pick five is not as good as the pick four, but it's, it's definitely uh, better than a lot of the ones we've seen this year out here. And, there's a couple of intriguing races towards the end of the sequence, and you know I certainly, as you know, will be getting involved. Now, what's the deal with no early pick four? Uh, you know what? I didn't. I I didn't realize that until you just said that that there's no pick four in race two. Generally, there's the the pick five, and then kind of 
um, either if you'd like to play the pick for more than a five race sequence or kind of that get out of jail free chase card. If you uh, <laughs> miss race one, you can kind of replay your ticket. It's always one of the worst feelings in the world. But, you know, if you like a horse in the fourth race at six to one and a single and, you know, you want to play the sequence, you can kind of, you miss the first leg, you can jump back in. But I, I didn't realize that, nor did I read it. Um, to be honest, personally, it doesn't bother me to not see it there because I, I get mad at myself, in fact, when I do make that play. Um, but I didn't realize it. Maybe they're trying. I, I can't even guess why they would do it because, you know, I know they really like to get the money in those pick four pools for, for business purposes. So I didn't realize it, Ed, until you just mentioned it. Yeah. Well, uh, if I miss in race one, we'll just have to send it all in in race seven, I guess. Uh, wanted to talk generally about the meet. You had a, a post on the twinspires.com blog, two posts actually, one dealing with some general meat thoughts and then some opening day uh, spot plays somewhat, uh, not necessarily win candidates, uh, but you gave out four horses. Uh, that you thought could be uh, exotics players that would look to be decent prices. Uh, but first wanted to touch on the general meat thoughts. Uh, and to me, the what you wrote about the turf sprints uh, really caught my eye, and I did some homework as well. Uh, and they don't come often at Del Mar. There's only been a little more than 100 over the last four seasons. Uh, but when they do, uh, they seem to be interesting races that maybe people – play in an inefficient manner because they're used to down the hill at Santa Anita. And uh, I hadn't really focused on them too much before, but based on what you wrote and sort of my research into, you know, how Brisnet approaches these races, uh, they seem to be an opportunity. Yeah. The, the, the first thing that I wrote about them is, is regarding the fact that you, you don't want to use overuse the form coming over from Santa Anita over the past, five to six months in those races down the hill, they tend to play more like mile races than they do typical five, five and a half furlong uh, turf sprints. Um, it's not all out speed from the get-go where, you know, they kind of, a lot of the horses kind of ease in and the hill kind of takes them down. Um, whereas Del Mar, it's five furlongs, it's all out speed. And as you, you know, backed up my point uh, privately to me, sending me some, some pretty neat information um, regarding uh, the queering rate, uh, the queering, I believe it was the, the queering speed point. Yeah, yeah. Um, that really, it's all about speed, and it becomes even more about speed when the rails are out at Del Mar. The turf rails. Um, I mentioned that in the article as well. Um, when the rails are out at Del Mar, it makes a noticeable difference. Um, horses on or near the lead have a big advantage because. Um, making that, you know, swooping move around the turn into the stretch, uh, you lose a lot of ground. Um, and I've gotten, you know, many years playing Del Mar, I've definitely, you know, been caught trying to use closers in, in all the turf races, but specifically these five furlong sprints where it may look like there's four horses that all want the lead, but, but generally speaking, one of them usually wins, um, as you pointed out. And as I mentioned in the article, so, Definitely keep an eye out for the rails at Del Mar in the turf races and definitely be careful overusing the form from the six and a half furlong races at Santa Anita. Stress speed in your handicapping. Sure, 
there's going to be instances where you can come from off the pace. And especially if you can get, you know, a rail skimming ride from off the pace, you have a chance. But I think you pointed out that if you, um, if you played the queer and speed points, uh, the, the ones with the highest, I'm not as familiar with this uh, information as you are, but if you, but if you stuck to that method and played, you know, basically the, the best speed horses, you're going to end up with a positive ROI over the course of the meeting in these races. Yeah, and it, it, uh, it's interesting, to, and it's a, it's a small sample. I mean, there aren't a lot of turf sprints to begin with, and then, you know, basically you're only dealing with a horse, that, and the and the current speed points basically are, are a way of assessing early pace and, um, you know, project uh, how fast a horse is going to go early, and uh, eight is the highest the horse can get. Uh, and that certainly suggests they want the lead and will do what it takes to get it, and then it goes down to zero, which uh, you'll find with your your plotters, basically. Uh, so anyway, so you, you need to have an edge. Um, so it can't be, you know, if two horses have seven, that wouldn't apply in this case, although, you know, both were big prices, and maybe you would say, well, I'll take one of them because maybe they can hold on at five. But certainly if, some horse has the highest rating, it is a positive ROI in turf sprints. And what's interesting to me is the win percentage isn't that gaudy. Uh, it's less than a third. Um, so it's not like, oh, this is some sort of automatic. I think it's closer to a quarter. Uh, but the, the ROI is huge, which means that there's probably been a couple prices mixed in there. And you and I have talked about this being an ideal meet. Uh, where you don't have to lean on favorites and, you know, you're looking for those separator horses and they might come at a more of a frequency than, you know, the day in and day out grind of May and June racing elsewhere in California. And to me for, you know, I'm going to look at a turf sprint and that's automatically going to be an opportunity where I'm hoping to see, you know, a speed horse that isn't going to be the favorite or maybe the the favorite's a a closer, so you can impose for that reason. There seems to be a lot going on with turf sprints that when they're in some sequence, and I know you like the double, so maybe it's not a pick four or pick five, maybe it's just something like that where you can look for that 10, 20, even higher-priced horse. Yeah, definitely. I think I I can picture a couple horses um, in the past that went off at, you know, four to five. There's a horse named Brandon, the bartender, that always gets bet. Uh, for Blake Heap, that is a horse that closes every time and did so at six and a half and did so in the five furlong races and, and got that at least once, if not twice last year and, you know, comes with that huge run and, you know, just misses or kind of thing and kind of does it all the time. And they're going to take money no matter, you know, what me and you um, decipher with this kind of, you know, speed advantage. So there's certainly going to be those opportunities. And um, I know you had Emily Gullickson on your, you know, the podcast before. She was my guest at my Sunday handicapping seminars I do with Del Mar, and she took advantage of this. Not necessarily the the speed, but but that the five furlong races can produce prices, and gave out I believe a forty to one winner last year at the seminar um, as her top pick. So there is certainly some wow. value. To be, yeah, Snow Cloud was the name of the horse. I think the horse is actually running. On Thursday, uh, according to my notes, I haven't really got fully into that card yet. Been working on the opening day more than an unusual card, but um, yeah, these are great races to get involved in because of the things I mentioned with you know the, the difference in form between the races at Santa Anita and then kind of a, a, a bias that seems to 
um, come at each and every meet and even more so when the rails are out. So definitely worth noting and, and tracking those races. Now, I know uh, your focus isn't Saratoga, but at the same time, I also know it's a circuit you enjoy when you are able to get to it, and I'm sure you at least have familiarity with it enough for this question. But first sprints there, uh, for whatever reason, I haven't figured it out, and they're pretty common by now. It's been five, ten years since they've really exploded, uh, are still somewhat maligned, uh, even by seasoned handicappers. I love turf sprints. Uh, Frank Anks, a, a friend and colleague at the Blood Horse, uh, really loves him. I think he's one of the sharpest turf sprint handicappers around. And maybe being around him, I've just sort of seen how his approach can work and make them more formful than others think. But, uh, you know, just in general uh, with, with Saratoga, uh, wh why do you think people are so averse to, to turf sprints at the major circuits? I don't know. That's interesting you say that because I actually listened to an interview with um, Jason Beam had Paul Matias um, on the 2016 NHC champion, and he, he voiced those concerns. Uh, his major concern was that um, the best horse doesn't win those races often. So I guess it kind of doesn't support the formful side of it. Um, I think in any sort of sprint, like uh, any sort of sprint, you know, if you don't get off to a good start or get in, get in sort of any kind of trouble, it obviously hinders your chances of winning or running well much greater than a race where you have a longer period of time to recover. Um, I've never had a problem with turf sprints. And I, in fact, think that, um, you know, when you find a, a, a sharp turf sprinter, kind of like a lady Shipman was um, a year and a half ago or so, that it's almost like a robotic thing that you could just count on them running the race. It doesn't take as much out of them in my mind, or I'm not, I'm not sure, but, yeah, that was a weird thing to me, this this kind of uh, negative tone towards them. I guess people are just finding that traffic trouble has too much of a role in the bunch fields, but I've never had a problem with them, Ed, so kind of a hard question for me to answer. But um, I'm always all for um, a race or two in a, in a sequence that can be somewhat chaotic. Now, if you're betting to win or, you know, attacking a race individually, I could see it being more – um, frustrating, but I always like to have that race where, you know, I, I might be against a favorite or two and I can use five or six horses to try to beat them and, and bust out of the sequence a little. Yeah, and uh, I know Paul obviously uh, involved in the contest uh, arena um, as well, being an NHC winner and, and someone who enjoys that, as, as we both do too, but uh, I mean, I, I could see the argument maybe in turf sprints, which I go through this at Keeneland, um, where they're quite popular with the Shaker Town and some stakes and allowance races, where, okay, you don't like the favorite, which is great, and as a pick four player, you know, you know, I can use three or four and, you know, have some confidence that I can land a $15, $20 winner. However, as a contest player, if you like, you know, three, six, seven to one horses equally, that can be frustrating because you're sort of in a position where you feel like you're, you you can be right, but ultimately wrong from a contest standpoint because you have to lean on one horse. Whereas as a multiplayer, you can use all three if your budget allows and that's what you want to do and, and feel a lot more correct than leaning on one and missing. Yeah, that makes Maybe sense to me. Yeah, no, that makes sense to me. And, and, and what could be even more frustrating in those types of contests is if you're someone that plays one entry 
and there's someone that plays three entries, then they can kind of cover their bases, if you will. Obviously, they're playing paying three times as much, but they can use, mm-hmm. you know, one of their six to ten to one horses in each of the three entries. You can only use the one that you like most or feel is the best value. So I do right. see that part of it as well, for sure. Yeah, good point. Uh, well, before we get into to Wednesday and maybe some future stars on uh, that loaded fifth race for two-year-old Philly maidens, uh, just looking at uh, some of the big names at Del Mar in general, uh, obviously really starts and some might say would end, giving, uh, given how talented he is. Uh, Arrogate in the San Diego handicap, uh, 126 I would have lost uh, – I think I set the line on 127 and a half and probably would have taken the over there, to be honest. I thought he, I thought they would have hung 128 on him. Um, so, you know, the weight, uh, he is giving nine pounds to anyone who's not trained by Baffert. Uh, so a decent spread, but uh, to me, 126, somewhat light, given he's already carried 126 on several occasions in one. Uh, what's your take on the weight assignment and uh is there any threat to him uh, at this meet? In terms of the weight assignment, it's, it's not something that, I, you know, I try to focus on it a lot, but, you know, with this day and age, it seems like they're more willing to give give in on the weight to get the horse to run at their meeting. So, you know, I don't really think about it too much. Um, I thought like you that he would probably be given a couple more pounds, but then again, you know, they didn't Wanting, they don't want to risk losing this horse for two times for the meet, so I guess they want to appease the connections. Um, right. in, terms of, in terms of risk, you know, this horse I kind of spoke about it a little bit, and I'm not really one, as you know, to, to really call anybody the greatest ever. You know, maybe I call LeBron James it to people, you know, from time to time, and people think I'm crazy compared to Jordan. Uh, probably haven't called anyone the greatest horse I've seen since I started working in the industry. Um, but this horse might be just that. Um, you know, him and Ghost Zap are the best in the century to me. I can't imagine, A, that, you know, the best the horses that have the best chance out here to beat them are pretty much all Bob Baffert horses. I can't imagine that any of them are going to beat them. And, you know, that I can't imagine that that would be something that's going to occur. I was kind of thinking, you know, I have to write an article about Arrogate, and I was kind of thinking you know, on the lines of, you know, what would be, you know, if this horse lost, what what, what kind of, uh, where would you put it in the all-time great upsets? Not just, you know, the Onion beating Secretariat, but but just kind of like the U.S. beating the Russians in, in, in hockey or, you know, things like that, the biggest upsets ever, because this horse is, you know, we thought you, you thought Songbird Songbird might have looked like she was going to stand out more than the others in that Delaware um, handicap field because of the competition. But but this horse, there's just something special about the way this horse runs. So I, I can't imagine any scenario where he doesn't win unless for some reason, um, you know, the 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 Marine Air at Del Mar or the track itself has a role. Yeah. How about you? Uh... We'll see what the field is. Certainly, looking uh, at the the nominees, um, you know, it would, it would take a lot of trouble, and he had trouble against a lot better in the World Cup, <laughs> and um, that that didn't matter either. So you sort of think about that, and to me, that seals the deal. I mean, that's not to say I'm going to bet him at one to twenty, but um, 
you know, the, I'll say the one thing that takes away from like the greatest upset conversation in my mind is that this race isn't for all the marbles, so to speak. So if he gets beat, I mean, it's, it's sort of, it's a stain for sure. And, you know, I, I can't imagine anyone would be happy about it, but to me, him getting beat at one to 20, giving nine pounds or whatever it ends up being to the winner in the San Diego at a mile and the 16th would be less of an upset than let's say Gunrunner doesn't go to the classic. Cause I think he has enough talent where it wouldn't be a huge, huge upset. But if he's like one to two in the classic and an Archon or something like that were to win, or even keen ice that to me, then, you know, we're talking significant upset more than, this Saturday when it's not it's not that prestigious of a race. That's a fair point. I mean, if you look at it, the San Diego even from last year, and obviously, you know, California Chrome is an arrogate, but he was razor sharp last year going into that race, and he took on a horse that, in my opinion, he was far superior to in, in Dortmund, and that was a heck of a race. So you're right. The mile on the 16th might be a little bit of an equalizer. I just don't know if they would, you know, I just... I, I, I don't know if they're going to run this horse with any plans to not have him, you know, cranked enough to win. I think that his, you know, right. the, the, the concerns of his legacy at this point might outweigh, you know, you know, we're going to, we're going to really shoot for the um, Pacific classic. And to be honest, I haven't really with the opening day and with the, you know, other races that require a lot more handicapping than, than the San Diego will, I haven't really eagerly anticipated or looked at who he's going to even face in the race. My assumption was that for the purse money that I, I can't imagine there's going to be a lot of takers to take him on to run for second, you know, whereas in the Pacific Classic, Breeders' Cup Classic, you know, Dubai World Cup, um, uh, the Pegasus, all those races, you know, you're more than happy to run second, you know, with the purse money and to, to a horse like Harry. Right. So, so, but you're right, the mile and the 16th could be an equalizer. Uh, this horse obviously seems to get better as the races go on. And it seems like he could kind of run, run all day. And that, 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 you know, that wonderful looking stride really gets going, um, you know, in those mile and a quarter races. But I still stand by the point that I would be pretty shocked if he, if he lost this race or the Pacific classic. Sure. No, no, no question. Uh, on the same page there. Uh, any other names you've heard percolating in terms of, uh, who people will be excited to, to see racing. Uh, I guess Stellar Wind is, is probably one um, in the, is it still the Clement Hirsch? Clement Hirsch, yeah, yeah, which is, yeah. yeah, the Clement Hirsch, Stellar Wind. That was um, one of the better races I saw last year. We happened to, you know, see a couple real great stretch drives at, uh, at Del Mar last year before we saw a couple great ones um, at Santa Anita for the Breeders' Cup. And that was one of them when, when Boulder finally got beat by Stellar Wind, um, you know, with that uh, real strong ride from Victor Espinosa kind of stalking her the whole way. Um, but, you know, I think she's really, uh, yeah, I think she's got better races in her than we saw last year. Um, I think she has every right to be the best, uh, you know, the champion um, Philly this year, sorry, Mayor this year. Um, so I look forward to seeing her run. And, and more than the superstars at Del Mar, to me, it's, it's about the, the two-year-olds, uh, you know, that we get to see uh, kind of it culminate with the with the, um, the Delmar Deputant, the Delmar Futurity at the end of the meet, and then the wonderful turf course that Delmar has, um, especially when the rails are in um, on those route races and, you know, those the, the closers really have a fair shake in, in that, you know, in the stretch, it's, you, you know, you really get to see some, some great finishes. So, 
that to me, along with Arrogate and Stellar Wind, are probably the things that you know would be would be you know at the top of my list. Well, speaking of superstars, uh, more of the human variety, and I have to think you spit up in your mouth a little bit paying Victor Espinosa a compliment. Uh, <laughs> obviously, the jockey colony. Um, this would probably be an era where it seems things have moved uh, to New York as far as the, the top jockey colony in the country, but uh, California is always going to be one or two. Uh, historically, has had some of the very best riders. Uh, around and uh, you know this, this year at Del Mar no different in terms of how riders rank uh, among the best in the country. We had a pretty good jockeys race down to the wire at the Santa Anita uh, spring summer meeting. Uh, Raphael of course led uh, the, the winter meeting which had some of the bigger stakes at Santa Anita. What's your take on uh, who's best poised to take this meeting and any jockeys right now you feel are somewhat under the radar on this stage that are worth looking at if they're on the right price. Yeah, I mean, I, I still I still think Flavian Pratt is, is the best jockey on the circuit, um, especially when you you know his turf rate his turf riding is, is probably better than his, his dirt uh, riding at this point. Um, he kind of he tailed off a little bit and ended up. Uh, Finishing in a tie with apprentice Evan Roman, who's been on fire out here and, and riding wonderfully. Um, Pratt might take a little while to get going. He didn't ride a Los Alamitos. He was on and off because of suspension at the end of Santa Anita. So maybe, you know, we'll see if he jumps right back in. But he, he would be my, my prediction and, you know, not a hot take to win um, the jockey title. Uh, Bayerano. Has his flaws, but, you know, is a wonderful finisher, a very smart, smart rider. Um, struggles out of the gate, as always, so that's always one problem. But he's always going to be in the mix because of the mounts he's able to get. And then, you know, Evan Roman, it'll be interesting to see how things go for him at Del Mar. He really uh, took advantage of, of the situation at Santa Anita. He got in the Hollendorfer's barn, Peter Miller. He even got a few mounts for Bob Baffert. Um, you know, obviously with the with the with the weight break he gets, it's attractive to a lot of the, a lot of the trainers. He's certainly someone to keep an eye out on. Um, and the final young guy, maybe to keep an eye. I don't think he's at their level uh, overall. But Drayden Van Dyke, maybe um, he, he's coming back from um, you know health health issues, and he's going to really benefit because Tom Proctor and Glenn Hill Farm are back out at Del Mar. Um, for the first time in a, in a while, which is great news to have Proctor and Craig Burnett uh, back. They'll, they'll really add to the turf racing. Uh, the ship and wind program must have attracted them. Um, but, but Van Dyke rides for Proctor, um, and he's great uh, riding in turf races where he can come from off the pace, save ground, and um, that will really, uh, really benefit him, I believe, um, having them out here. So he's someone to keep an eye out on. And then you obviously have the, you know, the veterans, Kenta Sormo and Corey Nakatani ride this surf course as good as anybody else. Uh, they probably, you know, they may not win at the same percentage, especially Nakatani, but when he rides for Baltus or when you see Kenta Sormo riding for Hess, Bob Hess or, uh, you know, his brother, those are definitely things worth keeping an eye out on. And then the final thing I'll mention is Mike Smith might be the, the best jockey uh, in stage races in the world, but he's kind of struggled over the last year or two. Um, in the everyday races, um, and you know a lot of that might be a lot of you know especially like the five furlong sprints and the and the dirt sprints. 
require a lot of uh, early aggressiveness and just doesn't seem to have that same aggressiveness down at Del Mar. I don't know. You know, obviously, it's probably um, not as hungry as some of the young guys, not to take anything away from them. He's, he's obviously, you know, on an incredible pace right now and, and doing things that I don't know if I've ever seen in terms of uh, winning stakes races at, at multiple venues. But, um, you know, sometimes might get a little bit overbet in some of the, you know, everyday type races. Uh, so just something to keep an eye out on as well. Was he the uh, jockey from the start on Unique Bella and Arrogate? Uh, Arrogate, I don't think he. I don't think he was. That's a good question, though. Okay. Unique Bella, I think. Kind of, that would that would help your point if he lost in maiden races on those two. <laughs> I think he treats the maiden races when he knows he's. I mean, I, you know, I don't want to, and I don't want to. You know, this is just hearsay. I don't want to accuse him of not giving his all or anything of that nature. No, it's I just, hear, yeah, I hear, yeah, yeah it's just, yeah, I mean, I guess if I was him, I might, you know, it might be, it might be similar. I know he enjoys himself down there at Del Mar in, in general. And, uh, you know, it's, it's not, you know, I guess it'd be hard to, you know, you look at it for, it's just like the NBA, you know, it, it, you hear these got people lifting the top players for not giving it their all every minute of every game, but, but really they're saving it off for the playoffs. Well, Mike Smith's up there in age and, Kate probably give it all every race. And, but with those maidens that you mentioned, he's riding those, you know, I mean, he gets, he rode Songbird from the beginning. I'm 99% sure he rode Unique Bella from the beginning. Um, I can look it up actually as we're speaking here, but uh, Arrogate, for some, I'm trying to believe, I, I know that, I please say, I remember when he, when Arrogate went to the Travers, it was a decision that Baffert made to put him on American, um, not American Ant, American Freedom, who ran second. I'm not sure if he was on both or Garcia. Uh, let me see here. Uh, in the, I think it was Martin. Oh, yeah, it was Martin Garcia that was on him uh, when he ran third. We got that poor trip at one to two at Los Alamitos. So he definitely wasn't on him from the beginning. Um, but that's interesting. Yeah, I, I know he's on um, He's on a horse for Baffert in the fourth, Pretty Al, who uh, is two to one on the morning line, and has one other mount. Uh, he has a, uh, a mount on uh, a Carly Games runner later in the card. So just something to keep an eye out on. He's obviously a jockey that will take sentimental money from people that are um, and not not as focused uh, on you know the everyday stuff. So you might be able to to knock him out of a try, you know, in a race where he might be a short price type thing. Right. All right. Uh, well, we'll certainly uh, watch for that, and we'll certainly see him on a lot of the big names uh, throughout the meets. It's uh, pretty incredible, the the run he's on with these stakes horses. Obviously, you need the horse. That's part of it. But uh, the, the confidence he's getting from all sorts of different barns uh, to ride their best uh, also speaks to the point as well. Uh, but as we get to that opening day card, as I mentioned, you did give us four uh, sort of spot plays, horses who might run, outrun their odds even if they don't get their picture taken. Uh, but as you know, I'm a big multi-player. I'll certainly be getting involved in the pick five and pick four. Uh, don't want to give away too much, so I'm only going to ask you for one pick. Uh, but who who would be your uh, sort of linchpin on the win end? Um, or who are you thinking might be uh, as you plot your multi-race strategies for opening day? Well, I just uh, submitted my um, analysis for my full card analysis. And as my most likely winner, I did go with 
Uh, number three in race four, Pretty Al that I just mentioned for Bob Baffert. Mike Smith gets aboard. Um, listed as a two-to-one second choice. I'm assuming the horse will be a favorite. Um, $250,000 purchase. The working lights out at Santa Anita. Uh, seems like it's all systems go for this filly. Um, probably will be singling her. I haven't really gotten into ticket construction yet. Still a few things to sort out, but probably my single in the pick five. Not a horse that I would bet to win. I'm not a real big fan of betting, you know, first-time starters at low prices to win. But, but I, you know, in the right sequence, I certainly will um, be able, you know, will single them in, in, in a sequence to be able to spread in other places. So number three, Pretty Owl, is the most likely winner to me on the card, race four, um, and part of the pick five, which is nice. Yeah, and it uh, looks like it's uh, been given every uh, chance time-wise to come into her own. Uh, sold at a two-year-old in training sale uh, last year and uh, want to pull the full workout report, I guess, to see what when the break happened, but uh, been March pretty 7th. steady. Yeah. Uh, okay, oh, yeah, there you go. Uh, yeah. yeah, pretty since, and the dam has thrown uh three winners from our three starters so uh they they certainly like to to win and only one of those was as a two-year-old uh which is interesting because it seems like maybe they do need a little time and going to run best later so uh lots to like there for sure from the ultimate pps as well uh brisnet does have some workout reports available so that'll be the the final piece of the puzzle uh, for me, we'll see what Andy Harrington says, but your vote of confidence, uh, given the line, is certainly a, a feather in the cap, no doubt. A feather yeah, on the owl. And... <laughs> yeah, definitely. And like, yeah, like you said, um, you know, they, Andy Harrington's uh, work that you that are available on Brisnet. Certainly, uh, you know, if this horse comes up uh, strong on the work reports from him, you know, that that certainly bumps the horse up. If the horse comes up in the bot, and 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 he's. Of all the trainers that he has a beat on, Bal Baffert is certainly one of them. It's very rare that you find um, a Baffert runner get, you know, subpar works on the Harrington Report and run well and vice versa. When when he gives them those B pluses or even Bs for the first-time starters or, you know, A minuses for the stakes horses, they almost always run big. So that that's nice that he's he's really spot on. Obviously, you don't get prices on these horses, but... Still, you know, when you can, on a, on a big day with full fields, if you can find a single at any point, um, you know, you got to take it where you can. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, well, I think uh, that about does it uh, for opening day at Del Mar and some topics related to the meet in general. Any other thoughts either on Wednesday or for the turf meet the surf? No, I, I, I'm looking forward to it. You know, as you mentioned, the card gets better. So, you know, the first couple races tomorrow, um, you know, kind of, you know, don't really uh, get, you know, the average person excited. They might get, you know, someone like me excited just because it's getting things started. But as the card goes on, it's very challenging. I haven't really got to dive much into the, the uh, Thursday card. And then the Friday card will come out uh, very shortly. But um yeah, if you're down at if you're down at Del Mar on Sundays, I, I have my uh, handicapping seminars. I have a real strong list of guests. Start to 12:45 each Sunday down by the Seaside Terrace, which is just basically along the rail. You can't really miss it. Um, this week I have uh, Bob Icon who uh, does LA Radio. 
I uh, used to be in the, in the papers here for several or a couple decades as a uh, as the handicapper for the circuit. Um, but I have a strong list of guests, so I'd love to see you come out there. And the one thing that we didn't mention is that the uh, place all wager is back. Uh, one of my favorites. Um, keep an eye out for that. It's a, it's a great wager. Um, if you let, if there's a you know a one or two favorites that you think is not only vulnerable on top of but vulnerable to finish in the top two, um, you can really uh, bust out of it by picking. You know, it's, it's it's a wager where you have to pick the first or second horse in every race on the card. A lot of you know, obviously people play smaller tickets or pile in on uh, low price horses as singles. So if you can find a couple of those you can beat, you can really take down a nice score. As you have in the past. Yeah, it's actually been two of my four or five best scores ever. Uh, my first big score was back in 2007 or so, I believe, at Del Mar, when I had four of the five winning combinations and paid ten grand for each combination. So it was a $50,000 pool, and I took 40 of it. And then last year, I was fortunate. I guess the pool size, like you know, have, have decreased. But last year, there was a Bob Baffert horse that was two to five. Um, second time starter that I did not like and was able to have her finish third and was able to take down the whole pool for 20 grand. So obviously a wager I like because of success, but I think it's yeah. a fun wager and one you can get involved with uh, at relatively low dollar amounts and still have a you know good chance for a decent score. All right. Well, uh, yeah, the, something I actually forgotten about until I read your story. Uh, so it's good to point out that that's back. And is it always place pick all, or is it the last eight? Uh, it's always place. It's always, unless there's 11 races, if there's 11 races, I believe it's two through 11. I forget which one, but it's only 10 races maximum. Um, I'm pretty okay. sure it's two through 11. If it's an 11 race card, which I think is only Pacific classic day, but, um, Maybe the last day of the meet, but um, but no, it's it's not all. It, it's like for tomorrow, for instance, I believe it'll be all all eight, all ten races starting when race one. Right. Um, but it's a great wager, and and tomorrow, I mean, I wouldn't even be surprised if it pays out to nine out of ten on a day like tomorrow. Um, depending on what happens in the you know with with a couple of the maiden races, and um, yeah, that's the last thing. I mean, the the, the fifth race is a maiden race. Um, you know, people don't get, you know, maybe the average person doesn't get excited about them as like they do a stakes race, but, but this, you know, a couple of these races at Del Mar and a couple of them at Saratoga each year, you can pretty much call them stakes races for, for first time starters or maybe second time starters, because there's going to be three or four in here that, um, are almost certain to be in stakes races, you know, barring health issues. Um, so definitely a race. You know, whether you're wagering on it or not or wagering on the card, I, I'd say the fifth race is, you know, the, the ocean side is the, the headline race, the stakes race. But the fifth race to me is where you'll see um, the horses most likely to be superstars on this card. Mandela has one, Baffert has one, and O'Neill has one, all that are um, very highly regarded. And then there's a few that will go under the radar that could be very good as well. Yeah, that O'Neill was one to two first out and lost uh, to a next out winner. So, um, you know, next out stakes winner, get, yeah. Yeah, it yeah. helps you get a beat. Not only on, you know, her, she does, but uh, obviously could uh, indicate even better things for the next out winner. But, yeah, that, that's a loaded race for sure. 11 in the box. We'll see how many ultimately go, but certainly one to look forward to. And, 
going to look forward to all your thoughts throughout the meet. Uh, Scott Schaap 34 uh, on Twitter, and uh, hopefully you'll be tweeting up a storm tomorrow. Yes, sir. I look forward to it. Can't wait. Love uh, that that feel of getting down to Del Mar, feeling that San Diego breeze, and looking out onto the track uh, from uh, you know several feet above. All right. Well, uh, post some pictures, post some pics. We'll have some fun tomorrow. Looking forward to hopefully winning some money and uh, appreciate the time, Scott. Thanks for having me, Ed. Yeah, my pleasure. Scott Shapiro, everyone, uh, brisknet.com, intrepid handicappers. He's become known on Twitter, uh, but does great work not only on the California circuit, but also uh, for Indiana Grand and uh, some of the big, bigger stakes days he's helped us out with as well. Uh, this year, Breeders' Cup will be a home game for him as it is back at Del Mar. Not back, it's at Del Mar for the first time, but the big horses will be back at Del Mar after the summer meeting this fall, so we won't have to ship them to Derby or Preakness or Belmont like we did for the spotlight. So uh, definitely stick with Scott for all things California throughout the year. Stick with us for all things handicapping. Uh, we're going to have some shows uh, dealing with Saratoga, which has already drawn its card. A lot of good stuff coming up this summer, so appreciate you listening, and please join us again.